Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded on the historical lands of the Cowlitz, Multnomah, Peoria, Kikapoi, and other First Nations. We pay our respect to their elders, past and present. Sovereignty was never ceded. Thank you for joining us on Your Top 6, a podcast where we look at our most played games, what they say about us, and what they don't always reflect about our playstyle. I'm your host, Jerry. I use they, them pronouns. And I'm here with my co-host... Jacques. I use he, him pronouns. Um, so this is our second episode. In our, second episode, in our first episode, you interviewed me. So in the second episode, I'm going to interview you. Um, Again. Uh, <laughs> well, it doesn't if it if we don't have a recording of it it doesn't exist exactly <laughs> and my top six has actually changed since we did that oh nice so that's awesome so jacques what do you when you're not being ground down by capitalism <laughs> um what is it that you do to entertain yourself other than video games uh for the most part uh besides video games uh, my hobbies are either uh, playing board games or sword fighting uh, one of the things I do is I teach people how to fight with swords uh, on the weekend as part of the Chicago Swordplay Guild. I've been doing that for uh, uh, years now. <laughs> um, no, it, it's uh, I've been doing that for about 15 years and nice. I've been teaching for the, the vast majority of it at this point. Um, and so Ooh, cool. uh, it's a ton of fun. I've met so many friends. I've met people from literally all over the world. Uh, we host events and, and whatnot. So it's a, it's a good time. Uh, but yeah, that and, I'm assuming... and board games sorry, are my probably my two big hobbies outside of video gaming. And I assume that's different from fencing. Yes. Uh, so fencing, as most people think of it, is more of the modern sport activity, whereas what we are doing is a historical martial art that okay. is actually based in uh, out of medieval and renaissance manuscripts. I focus on the medieval side of things. We have other people that do the renaissance side of things. And so I primarily study the sword in two hands, the spear, the sword in one hand, uh, grappling, the dagger, which is uh, really doesn't look like what most people would think a dagger looks like uh, with the sort of really is just kind of a long double-edged knife. These daggers are more like ice picks meant right. to punch through armor. So that's from much more of like a historical and martial art perspective, less from a sporting perspective. We still have people that do tournaments and, and we're actually hosting a tournament um, this January. And so we do have people that like to do the competing thing. I actually tend to focus a little more on the kind of martial arts side of things i worry a little less about the sporting aspect of it but it's still good to do competing to test your skills and make sure that you're you know up to up to snuff so to speak makes sense yeah that sounds awesome by the way it's it's a ton of fun um and it's it's something that really just about anybody can get into we have everything from students that are like seven or eight years old uh up to we have someone who are oldest person to have played their prize for the rank of scholar just played his prize at the age of 70. Nice. That's pretty so awesome. Any age, any health level, uh, you can, you get out of it what you put into it. And mm -hmm. so it's, uh, 
you can turn it into a really great workout or you can focus on it like a, a just a personal skill that you work slowly and smoothly to build precision and technique. Also, swords are cool. Well, yes, yes, that's true. You mentioned uh, board games. So tell me a little bit about what you're kind of... So I imagine that uh, when you say board games, as, as a person who knows me, you're talking kind of about the Euro design board games. Yeah, for the most part, uh, everything from sort of the like abstract strategy to the the big kind of fantasy dungeon crawlers, things like Gloomhaven and Descent. And I also kind of consider uh, tabletop role-playing games in that a little bit, I tend a little more towards the board game side of it than the tabletop RPG side of it. Um, but I also have been, like my current reading material uh, has been the Earthdawn uh, rule book. <laughs> I've been itching to potentially get something like that started up soon. So yeah, my nibblings, my nieces and nephews, and I are doing a family game in Eclipse Phase. That's wonderful. I actually yeah. know the uh, creators of Eclipse Phase. Yeah, uh, uh, I um I know of them and I've interacted with them. I don't I I don't think that I could say that I know them, but yeah, I've got a D and D game every like third Monday with one of the head creators of the of them well you should definitely let them know that we're using their game yeah. system <laughs> that's great which uh which version are you using one or two we're, we're using one mostly okay. because there's a character creator for one mm, that lives in a docker container that i can host <laughs> off of my my personal server here at my home so <laughs> excellent yeah if there was a, a, a second edition character creator i would be happy to use that and move to second edition but i have i have all of the books from drive to rpg so all right so let's go ahead and get into it if it's okay by you yeah all right let's start with okay so i have two questions ahead of the mm -hmm. top six all right so the first question is how many games do you have on steam on steam I have, I actually just had this up, uh, 415 games. Okay, all right. And how far down the list do you have to go of games played to get to under 100 hours? Not very far. Okay. Uh, it's only f number five okay. gets under 100 hours. So that one is climbing. That one will probably be uh, over 100 hours within a, a week or two. Fair uh, enough. Yeah, I've, I was doing... A, a lot of gaming outside of steam mm -hmm. for a while uh, before the pandemic most of my gaming was through uh, a lot of the blizzard games mm -hmm. um, i did a lot of heroes of the storm mm -hmm. prior to that there was a you know a whole period of wow um, and then kind of right around the beginning of the pandemic I there was a game that I knew I wanted to get and it wasn't going to be on the Mac and I was like you know what my my machine is currently getting old and even if they do end up releasing a Mac version my machine's probably not going to run it very well so maybe it's about time and it was uh I think a like a Black Friday sale and I managed to pick up a um razor blade for it was almost top of the line, pretty cheap. Once I got that, I started really getting into a lot more of the like Steam gaming because, well, it's a Windows machine, and that's right. that's much easier. Mm -hmm. Sure. Okay, so we'll start with hours. So number six, how many yeah. hours? Number six is 88 hours on record. Okay, and what's the game? The game is Slay the Spire. Okay. Is, so that's uh, go ahead. Uh, it's a Slay the Spire is a, a 
just a wonderfully addictive deck building game. And I've always really enjoyed deck building games, which I, um, which I, so deck building, I kind of think of differently than like a constructed deck game where mm -hmm. I'm not sure what the proper term is for it, but that's what I call things like Magic the Gathering, Hearthstone, at least the standard mode where you put together a deck before you do the thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, where there is sort of the, the meta game of making your deck. Deck building is the, as you go, you build your deck, mm -hmm. right? So that, I think, really got um, kind of almost pioneered by Dominion in the board gaming space. And then we've seen a lot of things outside of that um, since then. And Slay the Spire kind of builds on that as uh, sort of a the JRPG-style combat of characters on each side, use abilities, take turns, and... Uh, each there's different character classes and you basically uh, it also has a little bit of a roguelite element in that you are expected you're not going to make it through the first time you're going to start over but then you're going to unlock some more things some more cards that you will not necessarily get to use right away but you will encounter as you go and and be able to play through that uh with more stuff awesome um, and it, it's it's got just kind of a fun like almost painted aesthetic it's not trying to be like real heavy on the like high end graphics and the the premises you are climbing this spire and getting higher and higher and facing these monsters until you can get to the top and all of the monsters are like weird like things you would find in like a Neil Gaiman novel <laughs> um, you know they're they're sort of weird and twisted in a, a kind of fun way um yeah. Gaiman-esque. There's a there's mm -hmm. a term for you. <laughs> yes. Um all right, cool. Yeah, I uh I have heard about Slay the Spire uh and that particular genre, the roguelike deck building games. Mm -hmm. Um and and my understanding is it like it exploded. Slay the Spire kind of was the start and it exploded from there. So Yes, very much so. Um there's another one that I just started playing called um Inscription, which just came out, uh, which is takes takes the same kind of idea but the premise is that you are actually playing, you are playing this game uh, as a character, like playing the game with cards in a haunted house trapped with somebody forcing you to play the game. And then there's some pseudo mist slash escape room kind of puzzles involved uh, to get and unlock more stuff as you progress through the different levels and, and whatnot. And that one's also a bit of fun, but I, I just started that one. So I don't I don't have a lot of time there. Nice. Yeah. Um, Waypoint is a podcast that I've mentioned before, and mm -hmm. uh, they are doing a stream where two of the hosts of Waypoint are playing through Inscription together. Um, oh, nice. And it's been amazing to watch. And also, it's not a game that I would be able to play. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's an aesthetic and, a, and a, a methodology of play that I just, I don't, I don't, I, can't, I don't grok. So it's been fun to watch mm. other people kind of blow it out and show me the stuff that I was missing, which is nice. Mm, nice. Uh, now, when, when you say aesthetic, do you mean more of the kind of horror-esque side of things or the more of the pixel? Got it. Yeah. No, it's, the, it's the spooky bits. <laughs> yeah. It's, there, there's some bits in there where you're like, oh, oh, well, I uh -huh. didn't, I wasn't planning on, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, there was a. I don't I was want to spill a, it, but yeah. Yeah, it's... yeah. I was watching a bit, and you'll know this bit. It's like when they first present you with the pliers, 
and I was mm -hmm. I just had to nope out. <laughs> I was done. <laughs> Sorry. Oh yeah. Yep. Oh, there's another one that is like they present you with a knife, and uh, it is part of what you need to unlock a thing. Where Ooh. yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> All right. Okay. So number five, how many hours on number five? Number five is 94 hours on record. And that one is, uh, that one is definitely climbing. That's one of the ones I've been doing, uh, at least a little bit of most days to kind of get a little bit of questing in. Is it Hades? No, Oh, God it is damn. not. All right. This is, this is the one that was not on my list before. Okay. So what uh, is it? It is Tribes of Midgard. Which is oh, I've heard about that one. a sort of Viking themed kind of action RPG in the style of like Diablo, uh, Path of Exile, but with a little more of like a tower defense kind of thing going on. And basically, you start with very little just outside of a Viking village. And then the map outside of the village is randomly generated and you run out, collect resources, <clears throat> kill things, come back, use those resources to give yourself better weapons, better armor, better things to collect more resources, repeat and continue where every day, which I think is 10 minutes in real time, night falls and the village gets attacked by hell things. And the loss condition is you have a a little seed of Yggdrasil in the center of the village. And if it ever gets destroyed, you lose. So the hell things come in and attack it every night and you have to uh, kind of defend it and heal up the tree using one of your primary resources for upgrading everything else. Then every few days, a Jotun spawns on the world, which is a massive elemental giant and slowly marches towards your village. And you have to go and slay it before it gets there, because if it gets to your village, it's going to start wrecking things real fast. And the end goal is to defeat enough of them and go do a few quests and, and get some core resources to go and fight a, another big boss that is sort of locked behind the requirement of doing a handful of different types of activities. And it can be done solo, or it can be done with up to, I think, 10 players in a group. And when I first started out, it was like, all right, well, I made it one or two days. Well, while well, I kind of figured out what was going on. <laughs> and now it's pretty easy to make it m at least most of the way through solo. And so you kind of get a feel for it. And they recently released a bunch of kind of cosmetic stuff. And I've just been like doing the daily quests to get more things for that. So yeah, it's it's nice. been fun. I really and have been enjoying it with when I can get like two or three friends together and we can try and actually like make some some notable progress on it. Uh, I'm probably not nearly as good as some people who can solo it every time they try, but yeah, it's a fun fun game that solo it's easy to like put in a little time when you play it multiplayer you got to dedicate like probably 90 minutes to two hours to get a like full session in i enjoy it all right so number four number four 129 hours on record uh and this is one played a little bit recently but i was mostly playing a lot more a little while ago uh with my wife and that is divinity original sin right uh, the first one not the second one specifically the enhanced edition on steam and it's just a a, a really cool rpg big story that has some really kind of fun combat ideas that I really like. One of the things that they do that's really kind of cool is sort of the, when you're in combat, you go into your combat mode. And when you're out of combat, you aren't. But if you're in multiplayer, 
if you are out of combat, it's not like the world freezes and slows down. It's just anything in a combat zone kind of does. So you can actually, if you're not in combat, just be running around doing whatever. But if you're in combat, it's got a fun kind of action point system that I hadn't really seen in too many other places. It's also got really strong, like, elemental interactions. So if you explode a barrel of oil and then somebody summons a fire elemental, the entire ground is going to be covered in fire for a bit. Then you'll need your water elemental caster to bring in a rain cloud to put the fire out. But then if somebody starts casting lightning, they've just electrocuted everyone. You know, these kind of like elemental interactions you have to be careful about, but you can also use to your advantage. And so they're, they're really good at that. And then there's just a lot of options of, of how to do some things like you can very easily sneak around, steal things from shopkeepers, but you have to be sneaky if you're going to do that. If you aren't, everybody's going to hate you. <laughs> it, it is not just the uh, standard RPGs where everybody ignores the, the adventurer running around and, and stealing everything. If, if they catch you, you're in trouble. All right. Uh, number three. Number three has 199 hours on record. I almost almost hit 200, and I probably will very shortly, because uh, this is another one that I am, am still playing a little bit every so often, and that is Hades, which is just so good. Tell me a little bit about Hades. Hades is kind of a an action roguelite uh, game, so it's got that sort of isometric Diablo-style thing uh, where you're, you as the protagonist are... Uh, not the titular character. You are Zagreus, uh, Hades' son. You are this prince of the underworld, and you are kind of a slackass that everybody's like, what the hell is this guy doing? And you're like, you know what? I, I hate my parents. I don't want to clean up my room. I just want to go get the heck out of here. So you try, and you fail. And then you start finding out some more information about your history, and you go and explore more of that. And on your way out, you start getting help from the other gods on Olympus. And your sort of extended family starts helping you try, and try to escape. Then eventually you kind of realize uh, who some of your other family is as you get out. And then finally reach the end. And then they once you do escape, I was curious how they were going to get you to continue to play in the story. And they, they did it in kind of a, a fun way that I don't want to spoil too much, but uh, it, it's good. And the art is amazing. The music is wonderful. Uh, that is, in fact, I think one of the things I absolutely love about Supergiant more than anything else besides like their, their gameplay is just their music is great. I am such a huge fan of... Yeah, Hades is one of those games where it was like, this. Ha- I have no interest in playing this game. It's the type of game that I have... Uh, I'm just not the. It's not a game that I play, and yet it captured my attention entirely. Yes, I, just, I poured. I don't know two months into it, where it was just the only thing I did was play Hades. <laughs> yeah, it's the storytelling in a game like that is just done really well, mm-hmm. and it. As I was mentioning before the show, I've got 200 hours in almost, and am still having unique dialogue pop pop up. I've definitely gotten through the, there's sort of two main story arcs that you get to. I think I got through the first one after about 40 hours and then the next one after about another 40 hours. 
also not a game I am normally like super into or particularly good at. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's got enough of the roguelite element that is the every time you go through, you do get a little bit stronger. They also have, uh, I think, what they call God Mode, which you can turn on, which just makes it so that every time you fail, they're just going to give you a, a passive buff to everything. And you're just going to keep getting stronger as you go through, and it just to make things a little bit easier every time. And it's one of those things that I really appreciate, even though like I didn't use God Mode, I didn't even know about it until later. Just because things like this, where the story is so good, like you want people to be able to go through and see kind of how that story progresses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess the story is good. The storytelling in it, I think, is really good. And it's, I mean, it's super giant. Super, Hades is also one of the only two games uh, that is on my perfect games list where I have actually 100% of the achievements. Right. And uh, the other one, is also by Supergiant, and that's Transistor. Mm, yeah, I've heard good things about Transistor. Yeah, Transistor's really good, especially if you kind of like computers and you're kind of into sort of that sort of techie and terminology of computers. It very much is a uh, has a, a lot of nods to kind of the technology side of things. When I first played Transistor, I bounced off of it real hard. Like I played a little bit and I was like, I, I'm not feeling this. This like this, it feels too fiddly and i was like you know what Eh." and then so many people were playing hades and it was getting such good reviews i was like all right i'm gonna go back through and work my way through the super giant games and then try hades after i get through with them and when i re-picked up transistor i fell in love with it and i kind of realized what it was it was almost like an analysis paralysis of like too many options because each ability you get can be slotted into like an active ability, uh, an augmenting ability, a passive ability. And then when you have a dozen of those, like they all, like there's just so many ways you can play it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I kind of realized that there's a thing that encourages you to put each one into each spot at least once, just to at least get a feel for it. And I was like, all right, this is just forcing me to just go through all the different options. And I'll very quickly kind of figure out what I like and don't like. Once I realized that, it was great. I went through and I actually played it through on the uh, the new game plus mode as well. Nice. Um, and that, that sort of, you, you get to do a lot of really fun combos when you get into doing it in that mode, the musical crew there, especially when they get Ashley Barrett is her name to do some of the vocals. She was, her and Darren Korb have kind of been a just powerhouse duo since I think Bastion, which was Supergiant's first one. And they're, they're a pair, I just, I really want Joko Cruz to get them on <laughs> as a performer. Cause I, th- I think A, like they'd be a perfect fit and B, they're just so good. <laughs> um, and then the voice acting is also amazing. Logan Cunningham is just an amazing voice actor. He's been voicing characters, again, I think since uh, Bastion uh, through all of the games. And yeah, the, the art, the voice, the music, on, on top of excellent gameplay, wonderful storytelling, and every game they've done has also been really interesting and fun and done some unique and interesting things. One of the ones uh, that they did was higher uh, which I probably played the least of. I didn't really feel like I wanted to do it on the new game plus mode. 
but it had a really cool thing that not many games do, which is failure does not restart your story. Like in so many games, you die, you reload at save point. And mm -hmm. then if you just were to replay everything through from all your save points, the hero never fails, right? Because failure just means reload the level, restart at save point, go from there. Roguelites obviously have this idea of like, there's just repeated failures, but Pyre wasn't a roguelike. And there were story consequences for when you failed one of these missions, which if you haven't played Pyre is really sports ball, the fantasy video game. <laughs> like it's it. Once I realized it, I just found it so amusing. And then I just kept seeing how they were leaning harder and harder and harder into sports ball, the fantasy RPG. <laughs> and it was fun, but it, it also has a, a very kind of, interesting and, and fun sort of political backbone and like revolutionary thing to it too I, yeah i could i could wax poetic about supergiant for a while and i'm yeah. i just i'm really looking forward to whatever comes out next nice. all right number two number two is almost a little bit of a cheat uh in that it's not just one game but it is tabletop simulator mm -hmm. okay uh and yet is like sort of the allows for playing so many other games right and yeah, i sure. just uh, i'm still playing that playing games on it like weekly prior to the pandemic i've been playing it a decent amount and largely to kind of sometimes it's, just, it's nice to like play a board game or learn a board game on my own and kind of run some of these bigger games as like solo play where i can be like oh, i'm gonna put an hour in and it doesn't involve setting up a board game and taking up my entire table and then having to like tear it down and like or like leave it up if I have to stop in the middle of it. But man, during the pandemic, that started getting a lot of use. I've got like uh, a game of Gloomhaven that we had played. We were playing before the pandemic uh, in person. And then when the pandemic hit, we started playing it on Tabletop Simulator. And we just like kind of ported over most everything there was just a, there's a few things that are still kind of done like some of the events we're still doing out of the physical deck but once everybody kind of got vaccinated we realized that the setup on tabletop simulator was actually so good and made other things so much easier that we kept playing on tabletop simulator i would just bring my laptop over to their place and then we would fire up the laptops and i'll just be doing it like an old school land party playing board mm -hmm. games even though that's like, for some people, it's like, that's the point of board games is to actually like not have computers around, but it actually made playing it uh, great. And especially with these really big board games, it meant that we didn't have to like start early, rush through. And then when somebody had to go like either try and blitz through and like rush it, we could just be like, you know what? We're going to take our time at the end of this round. We're going to hit save game and then we'll just come back next week. And, and how many hours on that? Super nice. Oh, uh, that one is 436 hours. Okay. Yeah. Big uh, jump there. Jump from 200 to 400. From less than 200 to 400 plus. All right. So what we've got left is number one. What's the hour count on number one? Number one, uh, not quite 500 hours. 492 hours on record. All right. And what is it? It is not actually released yet. It is Valheim. <laughs> Right. Okay. So for those of us who haven't played it, tell us a little bit uh, um, about Valheim. So Valheim is very much in the kind of survival genre of things. It's the, you start with nothing. The world is against you. You find some rocks and some sticks and you make a hammer. 
you make an axe, you cut down trees, you get more wood, you make better axes, you build yourself a house and a fire, and you try and survive the night. It's set in sort of a Viking-themed purgatory, and I, I think the actual world is called Valheim um, that you are in. And then you just continue to build your resources and your base and your technology tree, and then you go and you fight a big boss in the sort of local biome you're in, uh, and that unlocks more stuff for you, and then you go and do the same thing with the next biome, and you just keep going from there, right? Currently, I think there are five biomes with full content in them, and then they've got three more that they are, like, they kind of exist on the map, and they are working on adding content to. And it can be done solo, can be done uh, with a number of players. Um, I've got a, a group of like four to six that we've played occasionally. We kind of stopped for a while, uh, and then they just released a new pretty big content patch called Hearth and Home that kind of changed a bunch of things and added a lot of like cooking recipes and building blueprints and um, a lot of quality of life stuff. And it's a game that, when you first look at, is very, like, PlayStation 1 era graphics. Not super fancy, pretty low poly count, relatively low textures. But they decided to take that and send it through high-end graphics engines. So you get, like, ridic you can get ridiculous levels of lighting and shadows and just massive like looking out to the horizon vistas of the ocean on one side and mountains and just plains and forest for as far as the camera will render uh and so it's created some actually like really beautiful shots even though all the polygons and textures are basically what you would find on like early 2000 era technology <laughs> which is really kind of cool. The thing that I think Valheim does really well is that it's not just like taking one thing and doing it really well and forgetting about everything else. It's that so much of the different aspects of it and the different options of how you could play, they all do just well enough that there's basically nothing you can complain about. If you want to just do the thing where uh, you kind of get your initial setup going, and then you just want to do kind of like what a lot of people in Minecraft do, where you just build stuff, you absolutely can. There's going to be some things where, like, like kind of in Minecraft sometimes, that you'll get raided by monsters and you'll have to defend. But you can spend a lot of time just getting really super creative with it. There's a ton of mod packs out that other people have gotten really creative with. So you can do that. You can also do just amazing amounts of ex exploration where you build and hop on a boat and you just go sailing to the edge of the world if you want. You know, if you do that too early, you will probably die. And then you'll have to go on a corpse run and you will probably have to go on a corpse run for your corpse run. It is a game where death is expected, but if you want to just do the building thing, you can just do the building thing. If you want to kind of get yourself set up enough and then go do a bunch of exploring, you can go do the exploring thing. If you want to do the, like, I just want to go get the resources, smash out the tech tree, and then go fight the bosses. You can also do that. And so it's got just enough of that, like, whatever you want to do, you can do it. And they combine it with the high-end graphics engine with the sort of nostalgic poly counts and textures and a really good soundtrack. 
And I think that's why it has gotten so many rave reviews kind of all over the place. So can you say more about not technically released yet? Yeah, they are still in early access. Uh, it's um, like I said, they've got, I think, five of their eight biomes populated. So they are currently working on the sixth one. And then once they get all of them, they, they do have a plan for there to be an end game to the thing where you will defeat the last boss and that will be the end of the game. And you could keep building and doing whatever you want, but the idea is like, that's it, no more to do. That's going to be probably a ways from now. I think they launched into early access in February of this year. So yeah, most of those almost 500 hours are uh, probably in the first six months because we kind of took a bit of a break from it and it just started to kind of pick that back up a little bit like after the the latest patch follow-up question for you mm -hmm. so we've got your top six yeah what are the games that you feel are indicative of your play style that don't show up on this list right so you talked a little bit about the other super giant games you played mm -hmm. um, and how much you like those but what's the kind of What's the what doesn't this tell us about you as a game player? Um, hmm. I think it kind of sums up a lot, actually. Like the Slay the Spire and the Tabletop Simulator definitely point towards the like kind of interest in the the sort of board gaming aspect of things. The Tribes of Midgard and the Valheim definitely point towards the multiplayer aspect. And that's also hit a little bit by the Divinity um, and sort of the like multiplayer RPGs. Uh, in fact, I think the game that I uh, mentioned, it was like, I know I'm going to want to play more of this. Well, there's actually sort of two, um, which also I haven't played yet because I'm sort of wait. I've been waiting to either like A, for them to release. One of them just did. Uh, and B, to have a group to do it with. One is the Gloomhaven digital version. <clears throat> which I played a little bit of, and it's a really good implementation of it. The other is um, same company that did Divinity Original Sin, and that's Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, so once that one fully releases, I know a bunch of people have been playing it in the early access, and I'm like, I'm just going to wait. When it comes out, full release, I will get together a group, and we'll play through Baldur's Gate 3. So, you know, sort of the 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 multiplayer big story stuff, really most multiplayer things, but I do have a number of other things I've been doing single player. I've, I've recently gotten into a little bit more of like the first person shooter kind of thing, which I, I didn't expect to really be into, but from a multiplayer perspective, like I've been enjoying it. Uh, I've been doing a, it looks like number seven on my list right now uh, is Deep Rock Galactic. And I've been playing a bunch of that with some friends. And then not on Steam, but on Stadia, I started playing um, one of the Far Cry games uh, with a friend of mine and that's also been fun so starting to kind of get into the the first person thing which i used to think i wasn't as into but i'm actually like enjoying more than i expected yeah not seeing a lot that isn't at least kind of related to in spirit other things on my top six all right yeah well i want to say thank you jacques for letting me pick your brain about this and of course thank you for being my co-host for this yeah thank you for getting this started and convincing me to do this when i said hey you should definitely do that thing and this is definitely not me not encouraging you i did not expect the like hey you want to do this i was like oh <laughs> well i kind of asked for that didn't i yes you did <laughs> yeah well i guess like i mean i could say no they would probably be fine if i was like no i i don't but fuck it let's do it
and it's yeah. been fun. So I'm looking forward to where we go with this. Yeah, me too. I'm really looking forward to, to what comes next. For our next episode, we'll have like a real guest. Um, yeah. We have to figure out who that is, but we'll definitely have a guest for episode three. So before we go, is there anything you want to pitch? Anything you want to promo? Anything you want to show off or or anything you'd like to promote? Doesn't have to be you. It can be friends. Oh, that was a question that I should have thought about. <laughs> I think I might just have to say, just remember that not everybody has the ability to have a bunch of fun with video games, as many of us do. And uh, the world's on fire as much as we like to enjoy this escapism. So get out and vote and let's hopefully try and fix it. Be kind to each other. Fair enough. Yeah. Let's hold hands and we can drag each other to safety. All right. I'm Jerry. I'm Jacques. Thanks for listening. Catch us on Twitter. You can find me at Like Bureau and you can find Jacques at JP Marcotte. Follow the show at Your Top Six Games on Twitter. Email us at heyyou at yourtop6.games. If you want to be a guest, shoot us an email at guestable at yourtop6.games. Thanks to Justin Ferris for our theme music. To listen to previous episodes, you can find us at yourtop6.games. Thanks, everybody. Thank you all. 